0: So open your Bibles, download your study guides, and prepare to explore Bible prophecy.
1: Hello and welcome once again to Exploring Bible Prophecy. We are looking at the terms the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace uh, with a purpose of understanding the difference between those two terms. Yes, they both are given to us uh, by and through Jesus Christ. Both of them involve good news. In fact, that's what the Greek word for gospel is. It's good news. But as we're doing with each of these seven sets of prophetic terms, we're, um, our intent is to uh, make sure as best we can that we do not just read over these terms as we go through our study of the Bible, particularly as we look at the prophetic events that we just don't read over these and see the word gospel and move on and think that they're one and the same thing, Uh, as is true with each of these seven sets of prophetic terms, each set is different, um, one from the other. The gospel of the kingdom is quite different from the gospel of grace. They're both good news, they're both from Jesus, but other than that, they are quite different. And we are going through the scriptures here over the last several programs, and we uh, we will then get into the gospel of grace to show the difference there, but um, it's important that we let the scriptures talk to us about this because it is easy for uh, theologians uh, or even just uh, untrained Bible study teachers to read a commentary from somewhere and get a distorted understanding of what the gospel of the kingdom is and particularly relative to the gospel of grace, and can easily mislead people who are not um, trained, and I believe you can be easily self-trained uh, in how to study the Bible and to see what God would have you understand His Word means through the leading of the Holy Spirit. Because as we mentioned just in our last program, there is only one interpretation of God's Word. There are many applications, but one interpretation And it's very important that we go through a study program, a study process, so that we know how to read the scriptures and how to look at the context and determine who's speaking to whom about what on what subject, uh, during what time frame. All of those questions need to be answered to one degree or another to understand where you are in each of these passages. Um, And we can Spend a whole well. As a matter of fact, at the end of the seven sets of terms, at the end of this teaching series, which uh, on your worksheet you'll see it's titled Important Prophecy Terms. When we finish the seventh set of terms, and before we get into our next teaching series, which is an overview of the prophetic events that are going to take place starting from now all the way through eternity, which would be the end of the book of Revelation. We're going to spend an, an entire program going over how to study the Bible, and I believe it's very straightforward. It's simple, uh, but it is a proven process that I have used for years and years, and in our, my wife and I teach this study method as we teach people how to study the Bible and using the Bible. So we've uh, gone through most of the books of the Bible, and it makes the Bible come so clear that one of the things that we look forward to in our classes, my wife and I do, is what we call aha moments, where somebody in the class will go, Aha, that's what that scripture means. I've read that so many times and I never understood it. Or I've read that and I was told by, you know, Grandma Ethel that that's what it means. But according to the study of the scripture in context, it really means this. So uh, we've seen a lot of um, spiritual eyes opened up because of this uh, simple method of studying the Bible and letting the Bible uh, lead you into the understanding through the leading of the Holy Spirit and not uh, just some man's interpretation of what a particular passage means. Because again, man is fallible, God is perfect. His Holy Spirit, who is our teacher, is perfect, so we rely on that in this teaching ministry to the best of our ability. So we are in uh, the gospel of the kingdom and contrasting it with the gospel of grace. We are, uh, we were in Luke chapter nineteen. So if you'd go to Luke chapter nineteen in your Bible, and you can see this on the worksheet as well, the uh, the various scriptures that we have used and are we'll use in the future here to try and explain the foundational aspects of what was this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached through most of his earthly ministry. And then, of course, towards the end of his ministry, when Israel rejected his gospel of the kingdom, he then changed to the gospel of grace. And we were in um, Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19, and we were talking about the event where Jesus is, is moving from the Galilee in the north down towards Jerusalem. And in Luke chapter 19, he is in Jericho, um, which is the last major city he goes to before he heads up on his ascent to Jerusalem and his crucifixion. And he meets Zacchaeus. And in uh, verse 9 of chapter 19, Jesus says to, to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because he, too, is a son of Abraham. He, too, is a son of Abraham. And we were making the point that uh, the Jews today that are unbelieving, in other words, they don't recognize Jesus as their Messiah, they are of the belief through their rabbis. And again, it's a classic case of not studying the Scriptures for themselves. Even even though the Jews only recognize the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, they call the Tanakh, which is a uh, word that's made up of the different components of the Old Testament, actually. In Hebrew, they believe just the Old Testament, but they do not, and this is a general term, but it's a fairly descriptive general term, they do not study the Scripture for themselves. They rely almost completely on their rabbis to tell them what the Scriptures mean. And, of course, the the, the rabbis have horribly distorted the Scriptures. The um, Talmud is what they use mostly, uh, which is their interpretation of the Old Testament, their Tanakh. And if you've done any studying in the Talmud, you find that there are some really distorted concepts of who God is, and of course, any, any reference to Jesus Christ is immediately either ignored or distorted in a heavy way because they do not believe Jesus at all. They do not believe he's anywhere, uh, even hinted at in the Old Testament. For instance, Isaiah chapter 53, which is a very clear description of um, God's uh, sending his son Jesus to be crucified, in a lot of detail in that chapter there are actually some Tanakhs that don't have that chapter. They've left it out, but they certainly do not teach it from everything that I've been able to read. So there is a distortion of this. So they believe, because there is no uh, Messiah yet, they're still waiting on him, that they also believe that if you can simply show that you are a son of Abraham, and of course you're a Jew, uh, you do that, that if you're a son, a, a earthly um, genealogically proven son of Abraham, that that's all you need, that you're going to go to paradise when you die. And uh, that's still believed today. So that's why the scriptures try to, not try, they do. It's up to us to understand it, isn't it? They show that it is not the genealogical line back to Abraham that is talked about Starting back in Genesis, remember we were in Genesis 22 and 17, verses 17 and 18 talking about the seed of Abraham, that it is a spiritual seed that comes, uh, that is a result of faith. And we're going to study that today, that is a result of faith. It is not a result of being born into the line of Abraham. A physical, well, I guess I should clarify that, shouldn't I? that it's not a physical being born into the line of Abraham. It is a spiritual birth into the line of Abraham, if you will. So it's spiritual versus physical. So we wanted to take this verse, particularly uh, verse 9 in Luke 19. Today salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. And let's go to Galatians so, as I mentioned at the end of our teaching portion last time, we want to go to Galatians chapter 3. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, proactively look at that, but in Galatians chapter 3, and this is uh, Paul talking to the church at Galatia, and he's saying in verses 6 and 7 Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And we saw that, of course, back in, in Genesis, in uh, prior, prior programs. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. Verse 7, therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. It is um, those who are of faith. So you see the very clear distinction here? It could have easily said, and of course, the Jews believe this, It is those who are of the seed, the the genealogical, physical birth, who are sons of Abraham. And the scripture is very clear here that it is faith in Jesus. These are the people who are the true sons of Abraham. So that is what Jesus was saying back there in Luke 19 when he was talking to Zacchaeus. And he says because he's a son of Abraham, he was referring to the faith of, aspect of Zacchaeus, uh, not the fact that Zacchaeus was proud of the fact that he was in the lineage of Abraham. So hopefully you see that that's a clear point. So when we talk about this gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was preaching to Israel when he walked the earth 2,000 years ago was a gospel of the kingdom that you would enter the kingdom on faith, not just because you were a Jew. Now, a Jew of faith was going to enter that kingdom, that's the point, but there were many Jews um, that would not enter the kingdom if it had started then. Of course, it didn't, so now it's applicable to a yet future time. But if you're a Jew and you're not of faith um, in God and and the sacrificial system, if it were the Old Testament that you, you knew in your mind and in your heart that you needed a sacrifice, uh, a substitutionary sacrifice to pay for your sins, which of course would then um, lead to Jesus later on, that that was the faith that was required to enter the kingdom that Jesus was offering when he came the first time. So hopefully you see that in uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. So to build on that uh, some more, because I think it's important that we understand this, who was Jesus offering the kingdom to when he was talking about him being the king? It wasn't just every Jew, let's go ahead and start a kingdom. It was going to be a filtering process that only the Jews of faith would enter. So we're in Galatians, and let's turn back to the left, past 1st, um, 2nd Corinthians, and Acts. We want to be uh, in Romans, actually, so Acts, we'd go too far. We want to go to Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4 in your Bible, and we get to Romans chapter 4, I want to look at verse 13 to start with, Romans 4, verse 13, it says, for the promise to Abraham or to his descendants, and it says descendants here, and in the footnote there, the Actual Greek word is seed, but the um, translators here thought descendants would be clear, but it's the same concept. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So there it is again, just as we saw in Galatians 3, and as was Uh, alluded to by Jesus. He didn't use the word faith when he was talking to Zacchaeus, but we know that's what he meant because it was Jesus speaking. It was faith in him. uh, So that we see that Galatians, it was faith. Now we see in Romans, uh, again, this is Paul writing the book of Romans here, that it is through faith, not through the law. So it was not through this Uh, physical, genealogical um, association or connection with Abraham. It was through faith. So that's verse 13 in Romans 4. Now let's drop down and look at verse 16. It says, For this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace. So see, you can have faith in something, but if it's not reciprocated, it means nothing really. But it's the grace of God that you have faith in. He is reaching out to you through your desire to understand that you need a substitutionary sacrifice, and that substitutionary sacrifice is Jesus. That's your faith, and it's the grace. So when grace, um, or I guess it's the other way around, faith meets grace, because God knew from the beginning, but you make that conscious, willful choice to have faith so when your faith meets God's grace, uh, that's that's the fulfillment of the promise. So let's read 16 again. For this reason, it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, the seeds, not only of those who were of the law, and that's referring to the Jew. So this offer of grace that would be met with the faith of the Jews was offered, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So the point is the all. So it was being offered to not only the Jew, but to the Gentile. See, the Gentile is not of the law. That is that is the Jew. So it's being offered this this grace that will reciprocate with your faith is what's being talked about here. And it has nothing to do with being in the physical line of Abraham. That's, that's the point I want to get across here. So hopefully you see that from Romans 4, verses um, 13 and then 16. It's all about faith, um, meeting God's grace in a, in a wonderful, harmonious union there that leads to eternal life, eternal life, eternity with um, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then finally, let's go over to 1 John to kind of wrap up this point about Abraham uh, that we initiated by looking at uh, Luke chapter 1, and we were looking specifically at um, verse 74. And in 1 John, we want to go to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, and we want to start in verse 9, 1 John chapter 3, starting in verse 9. It says, no one, no one is born of God. No one who is born of God practices sin because his, and it's his is God or Jesus, because his seed abides in him. He and he cannot sin because he is born of God. He's talking about a Christian here. Verse 10 by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. So we're here, we're talking about the difference between the children of God and the children of the devil, and the children of God are of his seed. This is not a physical seed as we've been making the point through these last several uh, chapters, books, and verses. But it is a spiritual seed that is born of faith through the grace of God. And it it differentiates here. Because you are of the seed of God through faith, you do not make sin a habit of your life. And that's a sign of a Christian that a a, a Christian does not habitually sin. Okay, so we have um, finished looking at Luke chapter 1 as we've developed the concepts of the mercy and of the covenant and of the the seed of Abraham and understanding that it's spiritual, not physical, and we will continue to look at this kingdom that Jesus promised the Jews if they would just believe in him. We'll do that in our next teaching portion, but as always, we want to move now over to our Q&A and last program we started a new q and a and it's the question who is not who is not going to be included in the rapture of the church and you may as most people i believe do think well it's either the believer or the unbeliever right the believers in the rapture the unbeliever is not going to be in the rapture well in very general 10,000 foot overview terms i guess you could say that's true but as you study the bible You understand that there is so much more to this statement about who's not involved in the rapture. There are going to be many, many good, righteous people that we will meet when we see Jesus face-to-face following the rapture, when the church sees Jesus face-to-face, and we marry him because we're the bride of Christ, and he is our bridegroom then we are going to be living in eternity. And in that eternity, we're going to meet a lot of righteous people who were not in the rapture. And that's the point I want to develop here because I think it's very um, instructive and worthwhile to understand that there are different resurrections of uh, what we call saints, different resurrections of saints that are um, in addition to the rapture of the church and in our last program we developed the concept of what is the church because we wanted to clarify that point first and foremost and then we'd move on from there so who is the church who is going to be uh, included in that rapture and we went to Matthew chapter 16 and we pointed out as we were reading through Matthew chapter 16 that the the key if you will the key to getting into the church is purely faith and a belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. And that is made very clear to us in Matthew chapter 16 when Jesus asks the apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers in verse 16, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then God, uh, Jesus answers him back in verse 18 and says, I also say to you say that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the rock if you understand the greek peter is a word for a small stone or a chip and upon this rock and the greek word for rock there is a boulder so what he's saying to peter is that peter's profession this magnificent rock, this profession is, you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, based on that profession, you and all those who follow you, Peter, will be members of my church that I will establish at a future date. And we know that church isn't established until Jesus goes back to heaven, and it's established through the Holy Spirit coming into each individual Uh, 50 days after Jesus is resurrected, 10 days after he goes back to heaven, because he walked the earth for 40 days, then he goes back to heaven. Then 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And if you professed Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God, then the Holy Spirit would enter you. And it's that indwelling, that permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you is the mark of a Christian. That is the key mark of a Christian. Of course, your lifestyle, um, your your relationship with other Christians, and your relationship with the world, all of that are um, descriptive of you as a Christian. But the key point is that the Holy Spirit indwells you forever. And when the Lord comes back for his church at what we call the rapture, then all of those people that profess Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior will be taken in the rapture, because they are part of what is called the church. And right after um, he tells this to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, in verse 21 of Matthew 16, he then changes um, to start paving the way for the church. Remember, the church is yet future um, to to this point in uh, Jesus' ministry. But he starts paving the way in verse 21. He said, from that time, in other words, Jesus had been told that the Israelites had turned their backs on him, but there were going to be those who would profess him as being the Son of the living God, and he would then turn his attention to them and away from Israel. And he starts doing that in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and be raised up on the third day. This is the first time he's ever mentioned this to anybody. He's mentioning it specifically and privately to his apostles right here, that he's stopping the gospel of the kingdom because they're not accepting me as their king and i'm now going to start the gospel of grace and basically what is the gospel of grace i mentioned to you at the end of our last uh, program if you'd go to first corinthians chapter 15 you'll find in the bible the most concise description of the gospel of grace anywhere in the bible and that's first corinthians chapter 15 and it's verses 1 through 4 First Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 4 Now I make known to you brethren the gospel which I preached to you which also you received in which also you stand by which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So we see that we have gone from what we're developing uh, in our teaching portion, the difference between the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace, is this rather uh, complicated kingdom that Jesus was... um, prophesying at the time of his first coming, it was denied and it will yet be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom in a yet future period of time following the tribulation and the second coming of Christ. But in the meantime, he's now turned to anyone, Jew or Gentile, who will simply believe him on faith that he is the Son of the living God, that this is all that it takes, that you believe that Jesus was a a person born on this earth in an immaculate conception through the Holy Spirit and Mary, that he was um, crucified, buried, and that he was raised on the third day. If you'll believe that, then you are going to be raptured with the church. But there are many other people that will be considered saints that are not raptured in the church, and we want to develop that And we will do that in the Q&A portion of our next program. Remember, if we don't talk again, I'll be seeing you in the air.
0: Thank you for joining us on this edition of Exploring Bible Prophecy. Exploring Bible Prophecy is a production of WHCB. Learn more at whcbradio.org.